Hey, listen, I won't be long, but let me first say welcome to all the guests. Welcome to our special event. We call this Thanksgiving for Phoenix. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. And here's what we believe. We want to be a church that's here for the community. And we pray that when you get to experience this worship service that you'll come back and be part of this family. And here's why we do what we do. We believe that every Thanksgiving, as far as we can help it, that every family should sit together and have a meal. Amen? And I don't know about you, but in my house, I love Thanksgiving. And I have a blended family. Here's what happens. We have more of the Caucasian dishes, part of the household. But then we have some Latin dishes like menudo to go along with turkey. Amen, people? Don't be shy. And then every, every family gets together that comes in. I got like 40 family members. They come in and they're loud. Latins are loud. We talk fast and we like loud music. And I'll leave it right there. And then here's else what happens. My crazy aunt and uncle show up. Here's the thing. Everybody has a crazy aunt and uncle. In fact, every church has a whole bunch of crazy aunt and uncles. Does anybody, let's be honest, does anybody have, when I said that, you, you did this, does anybody have, does anybody have that crazy aunt or uncle that shows up to your house? Let's be honest. Now, are you that crazy aunt and uncle that show? It's most of our church members. I love it. Well, here's the thing. We get together, and, and we have a good time, and, and we eat food, usually about noon, and then we take a halftime break from the table, and we watch a little football. About 15 minutes, you go back for a second, helping. And we do that probably from about noon to 9 o'clock at night. And the Holy Spirit hits you real good, and you start scooby dooby doing. And then, like, the family just, we haven't seen each other and. Really, it happens. It's really sad. Really, once a year we come together, and those are the moments. It's, I always say it's kind of sad. It's that and funerals that bring our family together, right? And it's really sad. But here's another thing that I've noticed with my family. I don't know about your family. In my family, um, what's really sad is there are a lot of divorces. There's a lot of father figures missing in the household in my families. So what you will see in my family get-togethers is you will see families that are filled with with nephews and nieces and aunts and some uncles, but not many father figures are present. And what you will see is, is, is a family that's void of, of leadership, that's void of manhood. In fact, if you look at the studies, listen, this will blow your mind. If you look at the studies, it shows about 50% of families live without a father figure in the house. Which means that if that is true for Thanksgiving, many of you will not have your father present at the table for Thanksgiving. There's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. The most important piece, in my opinion. And then you have something else that goes on. You often have a cousin who won't show up because in my family, because there's no father figures, what happens is that we begin, like I did, we hit the streets looking for value and looking for attention. And then what happens is we let the streets and culture influence us and then we begin to, we're molded by the culture, and we make decisions based off of culture, not off of conviction. Then what happens with that is when the man is now taken away from the family, it breaks up the family unit the way God has designed it, and it goes from the family unit to the school to the community. 
And then what you have now in my family is cousins, usually males, who, ne- who don't want to come back for Thanksgiving. Why? Because they're filled with shame because of the things that they have done. And because there was never a father there in the picture to show them that when you fall, you can still get back up. All they have known, all they have known is, is they have fallen and they have fallen too far from God because there hasn't been a father in the house to pick them up. So why in the world would they think the God of heaven, who is we call father, would be there to pick them up if their own earthly father wasn't there to pick them up? And this is the way most households look like. Here's what I'm going to do. Braulio, come here. There's a story in the Bible called Prodigal Son. Now you're going to sit over here. You're going you're to be one of the sons, all right? You're going to be one of the sons. And Ed, Elder, come here. Not because you are old, but because you are older, you're going to be <laughs> the father in the picture. All right? You can sit right here as the father. I need, I need one more person who's not going to be too shy. Where's Granger? Where's Granger? Come on, you little pretty boy. Come on, man. Come sit right. No, you're right here. You're the father, man. You're the father. Sit right there. Come on, hurry up, man. Hurry up. We ain't got much time. So there's one of my favorite stories in Scripture that transformed. Here's what happened to me. I'll share it very quickly. I became a Christian at 18 years old, right? I was in drugs and alcohol and gangs, trying to commit suicide. I met Jesus, and I thought life was supposed to be perfect. However, the problem, the problem was uh, things just didn't get fixed just like that. Because the truth was I still didn't have a father in my life, and I still had a jacked-up family. Anybody relate to that? So here's, here, here's what happened to me. I end up falling away from Christ a little bit, but I didn't know how to get back up because I'd never seen grace and redemption and restoration. And so therefore, I stayed isolated away from God. And I read this story that blew my mind. It's the story of the prodigal son. I'm about to be done, so just stay with me. We're done. Here's a story of the prodigal son. It's a story of two sons and one father. And it's the picture that the Holy Spirit put in script. Don't worry about it. They're a mixed family right here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We got a little bit of everything here today. It represents the kingdom of God, somebody. So, so. But, but here, here, here's a story, and it's my favorite story, so I have the scripture memorized, so if I don't pick up my Bible, don't think, oh, it's not from, it's from the Bible. I, it's impacted me so much that I, I know where it's at. It's Luke chapter 15. So Jesus tells a story to help people comprehend the heart of God, and he tells this story about a son who comes to the father and says, father, he was the youngest son. He comes to the father and says, father, I want my inheritance. So here's what he's saying. When you die, I'm going to get a portion of the inheritance. It's one-third because I'm the youngest. So when you die, I get that. It, I want my money now. It's, it, so he might as well have said is, I wish you were dead. Give me the money. So the father said, fine, I, I don't think it's a good idea, but here is your portion. So the young buck took the money thinking that he knew better than the father. How many of you have kids sitting, sitting next to you right now think they know better than you? Don't raise your hands. I don't want to start stuff. But... So he thought he knew better than the father. So here's what happened. Granger, you're, you're all pretty and stuff, but you're going to be the prodigal son, uh, the one that's a sinner that took the money and left. So I need you to go back and sit down. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, so, so he took the money, the inheritance, went off, and Scripture says that he began to live a wild life. He squandered the money. And Scripture even says in verse 30 of chapter 15 of Luke that he was with prostitutes. No, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know what kind of church you've been to, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> like, like, 
We, I mean, God will forgive them too, but, but that wasn't the moment you say woo. In the moment you say woo, and just I'll tell you when to say woo. Remember the crazy aunt and uncle I told you about that every, every family has? Remember I told you about that? So, so in the story, here's what happened. The father was wealthy. He had everything the son needed, but for some reason, the son wanted something else. So the son went off, and he squandered, and he found himself so broke and so broken that he, he hired himself out. Think about this. He had everything he needed with the father, but he went out to pursue his own thing and found out that his own thing, his own way, was not the best way. So he hired himself out. It wasn't even a good position because he had no good resume because the father always took care of him. You know what he did? He worked amongst the pigs. So he worked amongst the pigs, eating what the pigs would eat. And then Scripture says in verse 17 to the rest of the chapter in Luke 15 that he came to his senses. Here's what it means. I'm broke, I'm broken, I'm tired. And in fact, what my mama used to always say, I'm sick and tired of being tired. Where do you go from there when you hit rock bottom? Listen, for this son, here's all he knew. It's time for me to go home. What I'm doing is not working. It's time for me to go home. It's leaving me broken. It's time for me to go home. And I love what he does because he begins to rehearse. Here's what I'm going to Granger, come here. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We got much time. They're ready to go eat. I need you to go way over there and look at me. We're all the way to the back. Here's what happened. The father in Scripture the father had been looking for this son to come back. He's been waiting on this son to come back. And the son is thinking, I'm too filled with shame. I'm too dirty. How do I come up with something so the father would accept me back? And the son's thinking in scripture, I know what I will do. I will say, dad, I want to come home. I will even work for you just to be in your presence. Now, in this culture, here's what should have happened. In this culture, it was a disgrace for the son to do that to the father. What they would do is there was something called a ceremony called kazaza. The ceremony of Kazaza was this. When the son would come back to the father, they would get this big molded pot, clay pot. They would throw it on the ground and break it in front of the son to show him you have broken yourself and cut yourself off from the family and from the community. You can't come back home. Another thing they could have done was beat the son as soon as they saw him for disgracing the father. Another thing they could have done is stoned the son when they saw him. Imagine that. The whole community picking up a rock, throwing a rock until he dies. This was part of the reality of the community. The son decides he wants to come back home, and he's all jacked up. Now, let's stop. You stay right there. Can you imagine? Uh, now, in this story, that son's jacked up too, but I'm going to leave you alone today, buddy. <laughs> but, but in the story, this is the religious Pharisee, the entitled one, who thinks he's better than the younger son. You know anybody like that? There's some churches like that? Not, not this church, though. Okay, all right. Can you imagine the father? Every feast, seeing the empty seat. Can you imagine the, the hole that's left in the father's heart? I just, I, I just want my son back at the seat with the family. And the son's like, he'll never love me. And the father's like, there's nothing he can do that'll keep me from loving him. I love him. But the son's like, I don't want to come home. I'm too dirty. 
You know what happens? The son's going to take a chance to come back home. But the son has to make a decision to come back home. Do you realize that? This is a twofold relationship here. The father has to accept. Would you accept? I know you will. You have to answer that. But the son has to make a decision to come back home, right? So here's what Scripture says. Dwayne, I'm going to need you to get out the way here in just a minute, buddy. Yeah, sit down. You're in the aisle, man. Get out. <laughs> it's the important part of the message, man. What are you doing? Here's what Scripture says. Listen, this is beautiful. Scripture says, while the son was a long way off. While the son was a long way off, when the son thought he was too far away to be accepted from the father, when the son was a long way off, hear what the son was doing. You walk, to, walk towards me. No, not fast. Slow down. He had, probably had his head down, walking, disgraced, filled with shame. Keep in mind, he probably smelled like pig. He's been eating from the pigs. So he was dirty. He was shamed. He was disgraced. Do you know what the father does, understanding that he's about to be punished? The father takes shame upon himself. In this culture, if you were a dignified father, you're not supposed to run. Neither are you supposed to show your legs because they wore long robes. The father pulled his robe up, showed his legs off, didn't care what anybody else thought, and thought, this is my son. I would do it for one. I would do it for two. I would do it for three. And, and the, son, the son on that side saying, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. I'm shameful. I don't deserve it. And the father sees him because he's been waiting on him. And it says, wow. He was a long way off. You know what the father does? Scripture says that he runs to the son. Why? Because he doesn't want the son to face the punishment that he deserves. And the most beautiful thing takes place when the son is feeling dirty and disgraced. You know what the father does? This is why scripture is so good. And it's so true in Luke 15. It says, I ain't going to kiss you. But the scripture says the father, the father embraced him and kissed him. Can you imagine that picture? The son may have been suicidal. He may have been dirty. In fact, not may. He was dirty. But our God knows how to cover up dirty. Amen. And here's what he did. Here's what he did. Here's what he did. Come on. Come on. No, don't hug me back. Just you. Come on. Don't hug me back. And he embraced him to say, hey, you're safe. I'm going to cover you from punishment that you deserve. They got to get through me to get to you. You're safe. So, so when God sent his son, Jesus, do you realize every person in this room, you made the decision to leave the table. God didn't leave the table. Some of you have come back, praise God. But do you recognize what he has done? He has sent his son because you left the table. And he has sent his son so that when the penalty of death comes upon you or tries to come upon you or opposition or pressure or persecution. Here's what he is doing through his son. Let me embrace you and cover you and whatever gets to you has to go through me first. What did you do to earn it? What, what, what did you do? What did you do to earn it? Nothing. You know what you did? You did what he did. He just turned around and came to the Father, and the Father ran to him. He has nothing to do with it, but all he did was turn to the Father. Now, can you imagine? Come back home. Come back home. Come on, quick. Run, 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 run. So, 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 so. This is the picture God had in mind. To be at the family with the Father. 
to be at the table with the Father. Are they perfect? No, they're still jacked up. But they're with the Father. Still have their mistakes? Oh, yeah. But they're with the Father. But here's what the enemy wants. Go ahead and sit down. Just go sit. You go sit down. Here's what the enemy wants for you this morning. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, do you recognize you are the empty seat and he's been yearning for you to come home? Yeah, pastor, but I'm dirty. So, so is pig eater over here. <laughs> pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how big my sin is. You don't know how big my God is. Why is that my favorite story? Because it's the gospel in a nutshell. That God pursues us and there's nothing you can do to separate his love from you. So here's my question to you. Will you go another Thanksgiving meal without sitting at the table with the Father? Are you going to go another week? You know what happened, by the way, at the end of the story? It's amazing. You know what happened? He, he, the Father, once the Son came back home, they threw a party. They had a feast. They brought out food because the Son was back at the table. So. God has sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins so you don't have to go to hell, but you go to heaven forever. But here's what you have to do. There's an empty seat at the table, and you're not here by accident. Here's what he's saying. Come home. Come sit at the table. Will you come sit this morning? Will you come sit this morning? Say, enough, I've been pushing it off, I've been running. If, listen, if you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're the empty seat, but you don't have to be. You can fill it this morning. I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, and I'll be quick because I know babies are crying, they're ready. Listen, all eyes closed and heads bowed, please be respectful. Church, I need you praying hard right now, church. Church family, I need you praying. If you're in this room this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus and you've been tired and you've been weary and you've been broken, you didn't know you needed forgiveness, but you need the burden lifted off and you need Jesus, here's what I want you to do right where you're at. Just close your eyes and bow your head and pray these words and you're going to have to mean it. Don't just pray. You're going to have to mean it. It's like the I do moment at the altar saying, yeah, God, I'll marry you. Yes. Just pray this right where you're at in the quietness of your heart. Just act like you're talking to him. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. And today I want to accept Jesus into my life. Today I want to sit at the table. Listen, if you are here and you prayed that and you've never prayed it, all eyes closed and head bowed, you just raise your hand saying, I want Jesus. Just raise your hand all across the room. Amen, amen. Who else saying, I want Jesus, amen. Who else saying, amen, amen, amen. There are hands everywhere, amen. Still going up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. All over the balcony, all up there. Keep your hands up high, keep your hands up high. Keep your hands up high. Bro, I'm gonna need you to do it in Spanish. We're at, keep your hands up high. High, 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 high. Oh, there's like 15, 20, 30, 40. Now look at me, eyes closed. And... Con los ojos cerrados. 
If you want Jesus this morning, just raise your hand. Si tú quieres a Cristo Jesús en esta mañana, levanta tu mano. All across the room. If you have your hand raised, look at me. Si tienes tu mano levantada, mira hacia aquí. You mean it? Estás hablando. Hand raised, look at me. Hand raised, you mean it? Proud of you. You mean it? You mean it? You mean it? You mean it? I'm proud of you. Over here, y'all mean it over here? You mean it? You mean it? Y'all mean it over here? There's a whole, there's like 30 of you. There's a whole bunch. All the way up there in the balcony. Y'all mean it? Two ladies up there? If y'all mean it, here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up and everyone's going everyone's to cheer. Don't be ashamed. You ready? One. On these one brave person, everybody else follows you. Two. Y'all going to be the ones to stand up? Three. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. All across there. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hey, only those who got saved. Only those who raised their hands. 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 There's tons up there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come right up here and come talk to me. Come here. I'm going to pray with you. Come here. Only those who raised their hands. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. Come on. Those who raised their hands. Come on. All the way in the balcony. We'll wait for you. Come on. All the way in the balcony. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All the way in the balcony. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ladies up there. We'll wait for you. Come on. Here's what you're saying today. You're not perfect and you're not going to be perfect. There is no perfect church that you ever join. But this morning I'm going to say welcome to the family of God. Welcome. This morning if you accepted Jesus, here, here's what happened. This quickly, when you place your faith in Jesus, this quickly, it's all gone. No more penalty hanging over your head. No more burden. It's all gone. You were free because of Christ. Free because of Christ. Free because of Christ. Free, free, free. You don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to walk shameful. You are free. You are a new creature in Christ. Here's what we want to do as a church. We want you to keep coming. We want to love on you. We want to walk with you. We want you to be part of our church family. Here's what we're going to do. This is going to take two minutes. 
this half is going to follow Pastor Allen. He's going to pray with you in that room. Two minutes, and you're out. He's going to pray over you. Is that fair? Follow Pastor Allen. This half is going to follow Pastor Perry. We're going to pray with you in the room, and then you're coming back right back out. All right? That quickly. All right? Proud of you. Give a round of applause, church. Give a round of applause.